Welcome to the PFF forecast. It is Thursday morning, December 8th. We usually record on a Wednesday evening. Had to adjust. So it's a little morning brew, a little morning coffee with uh, the uh, beloved Seth Galina, who will kick us off. We have Judah Fort Gang to talk in-game live strategy. And Seth and uh, Tej Seth in spirit for the lock of the week. Uh, it will be a delightful podcast. Let's rock. It is, it's 5.30 a.m. Uh, here in California, but I've got to say, it's, uh, you, it's not 5.30 a.m. for you, but somehow you've managed to, to make it look like it's 5.30 a.m. for you. <laughs> this is, uh, I got to set my alarm for 8.29 a.m. and roll out, and here I am. So I, I think I'm doing a hell of a job for that. Um, <laughs> I, are you saying that you're not a morning person? I'm not a morning person. I, I've become more, I think... We- we, we all become more morning people as we as we age, but I'm still not there yet. You are young at heart, I guess. What about you, Brad? Morning guy? Yeah, it's actually 6.30 with me. I'm in uh, Colorado visiting my dad. So we're, we're doing, we're burning the midnight oil for the pockets this morning. Yeah. <laughs> That's one way to do it. I mean, you could just not sleep. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, anyways, let's, uh, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk Thursday night and Sunday night football um, from a scheme perspective with Seth because... Seth preps um, the best to do the exact same on national television, both Chris and and Kirk. Um, and so he's got uh, way more insight into what the hell is going to go on in these two games than we do. And we'll start with the Raiders and the Rams. Uh, as I heard this morning, and, and Brad, maybe you can clue us in here. Apparently, Baker Mayfield, who's now a Los Angeles Ram for any members of the printing press who have not seen this yet, uh, may play. Obviously, John Wolford was the presumed starting quarterback. He has a 40 PFF grade. The Rams at home are six and a half point underdog. Brad, what do you expect out of this? Yeah, so Wolford has a tweaked neck, and he's been questionable for this game. I think it's probably more gamesmanship, though, and then the Rams just trying to get the Raiders to prepare to see some Baker Mayfield. Um, But look, maybe he comes in for a couple snaps uh, and throws a very simple, very basic concept. Um, But I I doubt he's going to, like, start this football game. Seth, what is preparing for Baker Mayfield entail? Is that having your defense just be ready to catch the football? Yeah, it's exactly. It's it's uh, hands practice at, uh, <laughs> in the in the drill work. But I, I, I there's nothing different. I mean, look at the end of the day, I don't know if we want to talk about Baker Mayfield here. For, no, we could do it for an hour, I'm sure. No, but uh, it's over. It's like it's funny how like every time he does this, it's like a here, okay, here we go. Here's it's happening career reset we're at reset number three right now and um i think it's probably over the only thing i'll say is sean mcveigh's offense now this is not the normal sean mcveigh offense because you don't have cooper cup you don't have a great offensive line but it did make the most out of jared goff and it's not as if baker mayfield were in some sort of amazing situation in cleveland with Red kitchens, um, you know, and that obviously comes Fansky comes in. That still didn't work out, but you know, the supporting cast. All I'm saying is like, I don't know. There's at least a, it's better than Carolina. 
Um, let, let's let's pivot from that though, and and talk something that actually is going to matter in this game, Seth. So as you look at this, obviously a home big home underdog. You'd expect the Raiders probably to have more fans here than the Rams by by a large number. So what on the field, uh, Seth, is the kind of biggest scheme matchup that you're watching? I think. Well, I, I'll say this first about the Raiders. I'm. I have a feeling they're going to make the playoffs. It's a, it's a mm. feeling. I just think the way that the the their lines are playing on both offensively and defensively recently, um, and then obviously you have such a uh, good skill talent on offense. Not sure about Waller and Renfro. They'll be back eventually, but you still have Adams. Obviously, Carr's playing well. Jacobs playing uh, amazing. So I, I feel good about them. Um, but we'll see. Uh, this, the matchup that I think is is overwhelming in the Raiders' favor is their edge rushers versus the tackles of the Los Angeles Rams. John uh, Rob Havenstein is their best tackle, but he's not even like a good player. He's an average player. The other side, I think it's going to be Ty Neschke, who's who's mm-hmm. getting the start there at left tackle. He's backing up. He, he's coming in for Joe Nopum. I don't honestly think there's that, that big of a difference between Neschke and Nopum, but regardless, he is the backup. Max Crosby, one of the best players in the league. Chandler Jones, not having a great year, except the last couple of weeks. So if we're getting a real Chandler Jones, this is a huge matchup uh, advantage in the favor of the Raiders. I mean, still, even with like the Jones that had played the first, let's say, eight eight weeks, 10 weeks of the season, still a big matchup in, in the Raiders' favor. But if Chandler Jones is playing like he has three sacks last week, maybe this is even worse of a matchup for the Rams than it could have been. Max Crosby, their third highest graded edge defender in the NFL, 90.2 PFF grade. So, I, you know, both both those players, kind of the, the stranglehold or the, the stronghold, I should say, of the defense. And I guess I, I look at that and I go, okay, that makes sense that it makes sense that the, the Rams are a big underdog. Um, and so I wonder what the kind of the right way to take advantage of that is. And I'm thinking maybe like, maybe it's a sack prop, <laughs> um, uh, cause those are now available. Um, I don't know if they're out at this moment. I'll check here in a second. Um, but it, it is interesting cause this, this offensive line, I think maybe we undersold the importance of Andrew Whitworth retiring. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it I, I think you're right in saying Neshke, Probably not a big uh, a big downgrade from from Nova. Both have been not particularly great. I, I yeah. think also Austin Corbett leaving for the Panthers mm. that has not helped either. Yeah, it's been it's been horrifying. And then, like you said, Cooper Cup not there. I mean, Allen Robinson's been bad, but it, he's not even there anymore to be bad on the field. So, like, it's bad. I thought Wolfert was like okay last week. Now, I will say that. Looking up some of the numbers is funny because you talk about protect, protecting your backup quarterback and then also protecting your offensive line. If you take away all the runs, all the play action screens and RPOs, you're left with 13 plays, 13 straight dropbacks for Wolford last week. And then four of those were on the last drive where they got the ball with 30 seconds left. So that's just a situational thing. Nine. Nine out of like 50 something, 60 plays or something like that. So really trying to protect them. And if you can't now, the, the Raiders aren't great up the middle in terms of 
um, stopping the run. So maybe the Rams can figure out something where they get the ball rolling down the field a bit, but even that's a little dicey. So might be rough. Yeah, I was just going to ask you, this is probably the most egregious example we've seen all season, but if there's anything you think does come positively from the trickeration, oh, this guy might play and we know he's not going to, what is one stress it puts on the opponent, you know, even though we kind of seem silly from the outside? Yeah, I I, I think, you know, I, I as you guys know, I watch a lot of hockey and the uh, what they they talk to goalies a lot and maybe they do this in soccer too I'm not sure <laughs> but they talk they definitely do it in hockey where they talk to goalies and they say like oh sorry they talk to players about facing certain goalies the shooters and they're like well what do you do versus this goalie what do you do with that goalie and they're like well we fucking sorry we fucking shoot the puck <laughs> in spots where the goalie's not there like that's what we do and like I feel like there's a there's a similarity here where it's like what do you do for difference between like Wolford and Baker Mayfield. I was like, yeah, okay. I get it. Like Wolford could give you some more on the ground. He can, he can um, maybe get you some quarterback design runs. He's a little bit of an athlete, but there's no, you play defense, man. Like you play the call. Um, I think it's more like, and this is was going to be my pet peeve of the week. So I'll just say it anyways, on the oh, other nice. side of the ball with Devonte Adams, like that is different. That is completely different. How you play a team with Devonte Adams and how you, play a team without Devontae Adams. And my pet peeve was going to be teams that don't double team Devontae Adams. I think he's playing at the level that is one of the few guys that we've seen over the past 20 years who deserves a double team every play. Uh, and I, and I, I say, I don't think the Rams are going to do that. I think mm-hmm. they're going to play a lot. They, they already do play a lot of cover three. So that would scare me a little bit. Um, if I was a Rams fan going into this game, if you're not going to double Devontae Adams, of course, the, the the issue is when you double him, that Raiders, like I said, that Raiders offensive line is playing just good enough right now that it's that Jacobs is having some some opportunities. Carr is having some opportunities to move around the pocket a little bit more. But I just don't think you can allow Devontae Adams single coverage, even against Jalen Ramsey this week. You think this was going to be so as we move on to the bets. This is going to be the one that that I had circled and was curious kind of how you saw, obviously with Jalen Ramsey over there. But I think, you know, earlier this year when we had the, um, the Bills and the um, and the Rams, right, Stephon Diggs over receptions, we bet that, you know, they're going to move him around was kind of the hypothesis. And actually the Rams are playing a lot of zone this year, to your point. So um, over five and a half, or sorry, over six and a half receptions for Devontae Adams, even though it's minus 150, um, it's probably my favorite uh, bet right now that Seth, just anything that I should be wary of there. Yeah. I mean, obviously it's like you're, you're afraid if they just come in and they double him in, in different ways. What you're seeing a lot is not, well, you are seeing straight double teams, right? Like, Hey, we're at two guys on Devonte Adams, but uh, as we kind of know, like that's not like really how defense works, especially in the NFL mm-hmm. and, and, and in college too. And you know, honestly, high school is probably the only space where you just get a full game of double teams one player what you see is a lot of like cover two to one side and it'll always be to Devonte adams side when you're playing against the raiders like teams who don't run certain coverages all, all of a sudden you're seeing cover two to Devonte adams side because they want two bodies over there that's the double team that you're going to get and honestly what it's ha- what's happening is it's opening up the field for the tight end over the middle and Carr is not afraid to take those shots down the middle of the field when the two safeties split because they're in cover two 
Uh, he hasn't hit them as well as he should have. He's using Foster Moreau instead of Darren Waller, who hasn't been available. So, so that is also something to look for. Um, but I think, you know, the issue is we've seen him be doubled and we've seen him still catch a lot of balls because he's that good. So, yeah. you know, the over is still looking pretty enticing, even if they do double. What about you? What's your favorite uh, favorite angle on this game? I, I honestly just like the Raiders minus six, six and a half. Um, I, saw, I think it might have just went moved to six and a half uh, this morning when I looked. I still like it. I think they're just a much better team, much, much, and in 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 all facets of the game right now. So, I think that's the way to go. Uh, honestly, the one that if you can get it, and I looked this morning and I can get it on my app, but um, Rams under six and a half wins. If you can get that, that's the way to go. I saw that on PFF Greenline, and I've been trying to get it ever since. So, those are my two for this game. Brad, what about you? Yeah, so uh, the Raiders and Rams are both bottom five in EPA per rush allowed. I was thinking about maybe taking a Cam Akers under, but he did have 17 carries last week and kind of get fed. The one I like this week is Tyler Higby under three and a half receptions. He's gone over this once in the last seven weeks since week six. I think Stafford loved him. I think since the loss of Stafford, the quarterbacks just haven't really targeted Tyler Higby uh, in the passing game. So that's that's the play for tonight. Um, I was going to say that uh... – the the I looked at the the props on on pff.com on the best bets tool, which everyone, by the way, could go get with a PFF Plus subscription uh, and uh, enjoy. But you look at the receiving options for the Rams, and they all first time they just kind of all look like the same person. Um, and then you've got like Tutu Atwell over there, and I forgot that Tutu Atwell was still getting playing time uh, in the league. Um, it's absolutely astounding. The Rams are in a in a huge pit of misery. Let's move on to Sunday night. So this is a flex. Uh, it was originally going to be Kansas City, Denver. Mercifully, we don't have to watch uh, the Russell Wilson experience anymore. So we get Miami uh, and the Chargers, this one in uh, in Los Angeles. And uh, so two games in L.A. Uh, the Dolphins coming off of a game where they not only did not cover but uh, got kind of blown out by Brock Purdy and the 49ers. So they've stayed on the West Coast, a little bit of team bonding, um, which I'm sure they won't talk about in this game at all, uh, against the Chargers, who are 6-6, six 7-5 six, against the spread. Both teams, uh, uh, sorry, the Dolphins 6-6 six six against the spread, 8-4 overall. Uh, and the Dolphins are a 3.5-point favorite, total 51.5. So there's a lot more to talk about in this game, a lot more uh, players that people actually know. Seth, where are you uh, looking most closely? What's the matchup that most interests you? I think the issue the Chargers have had the whole year, uh, honestly, the past two years, is just getting off of man coverage with their receivers. And so very interesting. Last week they played the Raiders. The Raiders are not um, generally a man coverage team. And who played the most man coverage in the league last week? Las Vegas Raiders. Because they just know that. And there's not – they don't – have great corners or anything but like they just know that hey we can match up with these chargers wide receiving core even with keenan allen back and now you're playing a dolphins team who lives in man coverage like this is i, I won't say they played it as much as they have last year but it is still their base coverage and so now you have teams who, who a play man coverage like as their base so that they have 
they have answers for stuff, right? So it's not mm-hmm. just like, hey, we're just going to run this for a week and, and you know, we might have to get out of it. No, they have answers in man coverage uh, to deal with um, what the Chargers are going to do. You know, the Chargers are a short passing team. They're going to run their quick game concepts. Don't love them versus man. I mean, you can go watch like a ton of clips um, of them running, you know, slants and flats and curls and stuff versus man coverage and no one's getting separation. Keenan Allen, not, you know, coming back from injury, not the same player. He's also getting up there in age. Maybe it's age. Maybe it's just the injury. I don't know, but it's not great right now. So it just puts a lot of stress on Justin Herbert to to do everything. And they're just not good enough right now. The offensive line not good enough. So I think the Dolphins, and it's not, I don't think Dolphins have amazing, have been amazing on defense this year, but Dolphins, DBs, and man coverage versus Chargers receivers is a big mismatch. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that Dolphins defense. They are 18th in any paper play allowed. Um, so not great. You know, they went and made the trade for Bradley Chubb, trying to get home with four rushers. Still kind of hasn't been the case. Uh, what have you seen from them on defense? You know, is it is it injury with no Byron Jones in the fold and, and those things? Can they figure it out? Can they fix it? Are they good enough, uh, you know, come playoff time? Or, or, you know, kind of what are your thoughts on their, their, that unit? Yeah, I think they're probably better off going back to what they were doing before and just kind of living in that variance world of let's blitz the shit out of people. And what they're doing now is like they're, they're still showing it a little bit and then coming out of it more than this, the all-out blitzes. So they're showing it on the line of scrimmage. Hey, we're coming, we're coming. Then, hey, we're not coming. And it's it's also funny, you know, speaking of that Chargers-Raiders game from last week is the Raiders did that a lot to the Chargers and the Chargers couldn't handle it. So I just wonder if like, all right, well, if this, like we feel better about our players in these type of schemes if we're the Dolphins then we do the Raiders and we just saw the Raiders have some success maybe we get into that stuff too so I think the Dolphins probably better off just like I said just going back into that stuff they know it they've been they've been okay in it over the years so that to me uh it probably gives you a better chance of winning if you're if you're an average defense in the playoffs like in a one game scenario when especially with the offense being as good as it is so yeah I think they're they're like probably going to be fine. And by fine, I mean like, you know, 18th in, in, in defense. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I hope that NBC is prepared to talk about Tua and Herbert and the raging Twitter battle between um, football accounts about these two guys. Um, I saw someone on, on Twitter suggest that Emmanuel Acho be a guest uh, for like a, you know, for a segment of the show. <laughs> So we could hear him talk about these guys for anyone that, that doesn't live their lives online and is like, what the hell is going on? Um, there are some some members of the two and on that just can't get off of their their priors and argue vociferously for Tua being the better quarterback than Justin Herbert. Now, if there's any person that's going to have a take on this subject that is um, well thought out, it's going to be the guy that once said, quote, Herbert just can't play. I think that's exactly it, uh, Seth. Now, the great thing about Seth is that he is a student of the game and he is he is able to adjust <laughs> his hypotheses and the way he thinks about players uh, as he gains more information. So we have more information about these guys. It's not perfect, right? Two is playing with the number one graded uh, wide receiver in, in the NFL and Tyreek Hill, another top 10 
wide receiver in Jalen Waddle. They made the biggest offensive line acquisition of the season in Teron Armstead. They probably made the biggest jump in terms of an offensive scheme going from what they were using before to what Mike McDaniels has brought. Um, and Justin Herbert on the other side of things may have seen the biggest kind of um, uh, downgrade from what we thought preseason with a bunch of injuries uh, across the entire team, offensive line and wide receivers. So as you evaluate these guys, like how do you do that? Um, how would you compare them and, and where might you rank them in the in the pantheon of, of quarterbacks that we have right now? Yeah, I'm still pretty bullish on, you know, it's funny. I started doing a betting podcast with you guys and I say bullish all the time. Mm, like, welcome. Damn, man. All right. I still like Justin Herbert a lot. It, it's really hard to, to look at to a, and be like, oh, this is the Hall of Famer. This is Drew Brees. Like, th mm -hmm. this is what it is. Because I think we've just seen it too many times, especially in the Shanahan offense. We've seen it too many times. Guys just being like, hey, guys without a lot of tools, and Tua does not have a lot of tools. You know, he's obviously a lot more accurate than he was last year, but not a lot of tools in terms of arm strength and mobility and stuff like that. Can you do this year over year? Now, if I'm a Dolphins fan, I'm excited because they're doing it this year. Mm -hmm. And it's we can win the Super Bowl this year. Like they're good enough to win the Super Bowl on offense. McDaniel has done an excellent job of creating an offense where everybody's open all the time, which really helps. And I think a level of trust between him and Tua, which is unbelievable to watch. And again, it's like the Shanahan stuff, but I think there's, you know, everyone talks about anticipation and timing and Tua's doing that at a high level. I really think it's mostly a trust in what the offensive staff led by McDaniel has told him about the players on defense, where it's like, hey, if you get this, don't worry about it. This next thing is going to happen because we've seen it before. We know we're going to, what we're going to get. And that's how they attack linebackers. That's how they attack safeties and corners and stuff like that. So that to me has been the biggest thing. I just don't know whether it continues like Baker, right? We saw it in 2020 under Stefanski running a, you know, a similar ish offense um, with the outside zone, the play action, the boots and all that stuff. And it just hasn't, ever been the same for baker so it's like you can get these guys to do it from one year i also have like you know maybe this should have been my pet peeve but the drew Brees comparisons for two are so funny to me because he's 25 26 whatever he is drew Brees at that age could throw the ball down the field like drew Brees had an arm at that time in his life we remember the drew Brees in the in the 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 last years that the saints were making the playoffs 17 18 19 20 and say, wow, look at this guy. He doesn't have an arm anymore, but gets a job done. Well, he was like 35 to 39. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. he just knew the game so well, and two is not there yet. So he's being propped up a lot by um by Josh, uh, sorry, by um by Mike McDaniel. So I'm not, I'm just not sold um going forward. This year, 100 percent sold. One of my favorite offenses to watch. They're in the same play all the time, and it works every time. Good for them. Um, and then Herbert on the, other, on the other side is just like, give him, give this guy some players, man. Give this guy a coordinator, give this guy some receivers, give this guy some an offensive line. Obviously, they, they thought they, they were going to be better with Rashawn Slater coming into his second year. He's out for the whole season, most of the season. They haven't been very good. 
honestly, all the free agent acquisitions they've made have been bad offense and defense. So I, you put, I don't know, man, you put Herbert in, in the Dolphins offense with McDaniel and there's setting the league on fire, kind of just like Tua is, but you can feel it better on a year to year basis than with Tua. That's mm-hmm. kind of where I am. I know that Herbert hasn't played exceptionally well, but like I said, given the issues they have getting off, getting open, I don't know what you expect them to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. Um, and, and to, uh, to his credit on plays where the receiver he's targeting is open, uh, by our classification, by our charting, um, has the highest PFF grade in, in the NFL, you know, and Patrick Mahomes is right behind him. And it's not actually as if he's just throwing a ton of dink and dunk stuff on those throws. Average depth of target is eight and a half for Tua. For Mahomes, it's 6.3, you know, uh, for Josh Allen, it's 7.7. So um, he is making the throws uh, that are there. And like, I don't know, I to me, and I, I don't know, Brad, how you feel about this, but I think comparing the two of them uh, is like not necessarily the fun part, right? It's more looking at each of them kind of individually and thinking about what they need and, and how you might update your, your analysis of them. Yeah, they win in such different ways. I, I do agree with you. Um, and, and I think like we can <clears throat> appreciate a guy that doesn't have tools, but is ahead of schedule and makes anticipatory throws and does other things. I think we always kind of fall in love with guys that have both of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's you know, those are those are rare specimens uh, in, in football. All right, it's time to make some uh, some bets here on this game. Um, we'll start with uh, with you, Brad, this time. What are you thinking? Yep. So not up yet, but a play I love, especially after Seth talked about. So I figure Miami is going to sit in a lot of man coverage. And as you mentioned, the receivers cannot get separation against man coverage as a unit. They're bottom five and are open, you know, or, you know, have a step against their their DB. But also for Justin Herbert, speaking of our buddy Manny Acho, who said he's a turnover machine, he has the lowest turnover worthy play rate this season. He had the lowest turnover worthy play rate last season as well. So what I think is going to happen is a million checkdowns to Austin Eckler because the receivers will be covered. He's not going to take a risk and he's not going to you know get a sack. He also has a very, very low sack rate on pressures. So the over on Austin Eckler receptions, I think he could have like eight or nine checkdown catches in this game. Yeah. Uh, especially because I have Austin Eckler on the only fan, <laughs> the only fantasy team that has a prayer. So I could, uh, I could certainly use that. Uh, Seth, what about you? I have four tight ends on my fantasy team right now. That's where I am with this <laughs> with this season, which I'm ready for. I'm ready to end it right now. Um, I think I, I kind of it, it's really going to depend what the number is when it comes out. But I think if it's like two and a half, maybe even three and a half, Josh Palmer receptions, you can think about the over there because he's the guy. He's a big body. They like him on like easy hitch routes versus man coverage, so you might get targeted quite a bit against man coverage. Um, I think overall though, Chargers money line. Mm-hmm. Like, who's the better quarterback? And I understand who's who's been the better system, who's been playing better offense, but who's the better quarterback is Justin Herbert. So, you know, either Chargers money line, Chargers, I guess plus three and a half would 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 be the numbers. So, looking at those two, yeah, I can get. I like the the hook there um, with Chargers three and a half despite all the things that we just said, but I'm really looking forward to when props get posted um, a little Tyreek Hill, you know, Waddle, is he, is he trending towards playing? I think he'll play it, but yeah, he's not going to be hundred percent. So it's a good note. Not going to be hundred percent. And the chargers defensive backs, I mean, this, this team may have taken the biggest 
dump in terms of what we thought they they were going to look like <laughs> from a talent perspective and what they have actually been. Um, but they they have no prayer at at covering Tyreek Hill. Um, you know, you can look at it on uh, PFF.com and see <laughs> the defensive back grades. They're not solid. Um, so uh, I, I would expect Tyreek Hill to get fed in this game, and I'm not sure there's much the Chargers can really do about it. You know, it's not as if any team has come into the games against the Dolphins and been like, hey, we should just ignore Tyreek Hill. Like, we don't think he's a big deal. Like, he's been killing everybody. So um, this is a far cry from the, the San Francisco 49ers defense. That uh, That is for sure. Um, all right, uh, you mentioned your pet peeve, Seth, so I guess we have – we have nothing else. My my pet peeve is is people telling me that they woke up at eight twenty nine in the morning as if that was really early. Just so you know, I um I will say that I uh, I was trying to be a little funny there. Okay. I um I wake up way before my alarm, and that's what I'm. This is the but it's a problem though. Like I don't like that. I'm like mm. I set my alarm for whatever I set my alarm, and I'm up an hour before, or half an hour before, because it makes me feel old. And then I'm just like, well, then I'm groggy and whatever. I don't have to get into it. I'm, bear, I'm bearish. Rag. Yeah, I'm bearish on your energy over there, Seth. Very bearish. <laughs> think, yeah. That's such a humble brag. I wake up <laughs> yeah, was. yeah, that's just like someone setting their alarm for some ridiculous times. Like, yeah, I just always, I always beat my alarm. That'd be, that's going to be something you should make like a, you know, those TikToks where it's like these people are like, this is not a get rich quick scheme. This is just how I live my life, right? And it's like, uh, you know, what are the things that rich people do? And one of them should just be, I always beat my alarm up. <laughs> my internal clock, my internal clock is better than my iPhone clock. Like, <laughs> uh, Seth, you and your internal clock are better than the average analyst. We thank you. Appreciate you always go check out Seth at PFF underscore Seth on Twitter. Writes great content whenever he does, uh, regardless of the medium, whether it's online, on social, or on the podcast airwaves, Seth. We appreciate you. See you guys. A reminder that uh, 2023, it could be a bit of a challenge from an economic perspective. And so you'll want to get your money right. And one way to do that is with Western and Southern Financial Group, whether you're trying to start a family, buy a house, uh, anything that you're trying to do from a money perspective, uh, you want to have a game plan and a playbook to make that work for you. And just going and searching social media, probably not the best way to do that. Go to westernsouthern.com slash PFF and get started with a game plan tailored to whatever it is that you are trying to accomplish and do so today. Uh, also, Manscaped. I, I talk about Manscaped uh, when people ask me like, hey, give me a product that I can actually use. Manscaped is one that I still use. I was just traveling and it's great because the battery doesn't run out. So you can travel with it without bringing uh, a battery case, uh, manscaped.com, promo code forecast20. It's you 20% off plus free shipping. Um, the Manscaped Platinum Package 4.0, which is an amazing name. Um, I use the, uh, the, the Manscaped product and have for a while. And I can tell you the Lawnmower 4.0 is a really good product. It won't cut you up. Make, it, make sure you're feeling good for Christmas when you're wearing like 45 layers trying to deal with family. Um, at least we're feeling good where it matters. So go to manscaped.com, use promo code forecast, 20% off plus free shipping. It's a good gift as well. I don't know what it says about the person that you get the gift for, but uh, if you're getting it for another dude, I, I don't think they care. All right. Uh, Judy Forking is joining us now. Judy, you had a same game parlay um, again this past week. Uh, so tell people where they can find <laughs> your same game parlay so that people can go check them out. 
Uh, well, you can go go find it on, on PFF.com or the app. Or if you're really just desperate, go on throw the damn ball. I generally post uh, a reminder link Sunday morning. Uh, it'll it'll all be there. Good. Um, I will definitely be checking it out. Um, and uh, I, I got to admit, like, those things are daunting when you go into a sports book and you're trying to figure out, like, oh, I'm going to play same game parlay, but, like, which one do I choose? Um, so it's nice to have someone actually think it through just like it is. Uh, thinking through both in-game strategy uh, if you're betting live and what alt lines might be available. So as usual, uh, we chat with Judah about these things. He writes um, writes up his uh, hypotheses um, on pff.com and the PFF app. You can go check those out. Let's start with an alt line uh, play that you like this week, Judah. Yeah, we're going to go. This is an alt line combined with a prop, actually. We're going to go with uh, Mike White over 250 passing yards and the Jets. Ooh plus seven and a half. You can get that at plus 330. It's available on DraftKings. Uh, We'll see what the other sports books uh, have to offer when they release their props. But basically, uh, I guess it ties into kind of a broader way of approaching the the betting season, if you will, which is like the first couple of weeks are almost like a a matter of testing your offseason hypotheses uh, kind of against what's happening. The middle Mm -hmm. weeks, we start to kind of just learn who's actually good. Uh, By this point in the season, we kind of have a good sense of like, which teams are, are pretty good uh, and like a breakdown of like who's got a good pass defense, who's got a good run defense, who's got a good, you know, uh, rushing offense, et cetera. Uh, so I think here you almost have to, number one, take into account matchups more. And number two, I think balance like recent play versus like 13 weeks, right? It's a matter of like to understand where a team's going. You kind of have to kind of have to understand like the full picture, which is like 13 weeks at this point, but also uh, kind of what's been happening in the past six or seven weeks, because that also has some signal. Uh, And generally, I think you want to ask yourself, is it just like randomness that's happening? Or is there good reason if there's a a change in a team? And I think the Bills are a perfect example of that, which is like they started the season totally dominant. uh, But like the defense has kind of faltered out. And you can ask yourself, is it just noise? Is it like defense is is pretty uh, variant and volatile? Or like the team's actually been really hurt. Like they've lost their starting safety. They just lost Von Miller. Uh, the talent is not what it was earlier in the season. Uh, this has been a, a Bills defense on their past defense is bottom five in EPA the last like six or seven weeks. Uh, the drive quality, you know, has the same picture. Uh, but the Bills are still facing a bunch of passing attempts because their mm-hmm. offense is still good. And if we're betting a passing prop, right, volume is really what matters. Uh, Mike White's going to have plenty of that. The Jets are passing over expected. Uh, and all and, and just in general, right, if Mike White is if the Jets are to, to cover, uh, you know, this seven and a half, which really, I think this launch probably closer to six and a half. I think it's really mispriced. Uh, it's probably going to be because Mike White is playing at least at expectation. And I think you can kind of combine those game angles, get a plus 330 out of it. Uh, it's something that I think is is very attractive. Mike White believer. Um, Mike White or Brock Purdy? Choose one. <laughs> um, no, I, I, as someone that is forced, and this is now my second time on the podcast talking about my fantasy team. You're welcome. Um, I'm in a two quarterback league where I have to start, start my wife. So I'm like the biggest wife <laughs> and it's yeah. out there. That's where my season has gone. Um, let's go into the, uh, the in-game strategy for this week. The, the chiefs are playing the Broncos. So the chances of being able to roll with the chiefs are down early. Uh, let's bet them live does not seem like a strategy that we can employ. So please guide us in a better direction. Unfortunately not. All right, we'll start with uh, Vikings and Lions. Okay, one thing we always like to talk about, and if you're if you're new to the to the forecast, uh, volatility is a, a live better's best friend, right? Because odds are constantly changing, and you can generally, especially if you're attuned to it, 
grab both sides, get a middle, uh, which is something that we talked about in the you know Bengals Chiefs last week. I executed that trade. I got you know both sides at plus money, uh, and I think we're gonna have a similar type game here. Uh, number one, two at least fine offenses or the Vikings are boosted when they're playing the, the lions, uh 32nd ranked defense. Uh, and the lions have been really successful in offense. They've got the sixth best EPA. They're scoring touchdowns at like the third best clip uh, of any team. There's a reason that the, you know, game total is 52 and a half right now. Uh, these are two teams who uh, can trade scores quickly and that's a lot better best friend, but to add kind of some more fuel to that, uh, this is a longstanding trend now of the Vikings totally incapable of holding a lead basically every year that Kirk Cousins has been the quarterback there. So it's five years running. Uh, the team has really struggled to establish uh, any sort of success rate or EPA when leading. I posted this chart, I think like seven or eight times uh, this season of just this team can't hold a lead. Uh, and the, in the lot, excuse me, the lions a little less so, uh, but they too have been much worse uh, kind of sustaining a lead. The exception was last week. Uh, but uh, these are teams that, that have struggled uh, and you can kind of grab the, the underdog, uh, generally at, at plus money so when just to make sure that people you know, members of the printing press understand so would you start with you know would you right now the vikings are you want to say like plus 120 or plus 116 on the money line so would you bet that to start and then you'd be looking to grab uh the lions should they go down and, and they go to plus money explain so that, that just is, a little bit. yeah that is generally how i approach it i'm really just looking uh, to kind of say who's going to, which team's going to get out to a lead first. And I just want to grab it. Like once that line crosses seven, basically, I think there's going to be enough volatility. I'm hoping that it's the lions just because the, uh, the line already started at two and a half and it will quickly move. Uh, but it, it's not a, you know, if, if it's more of like a four and a half, five and a half, like a the chiefs, uh, chargers, mm-hmm. which you talked about, I like to start with the money line just cause you can get much juicier odds. But here mm-hmm. I'm really just looking like once that line crosses seven, uh, I'm just going to grab the underdog. Okay. So kind of waiting, going into the game, waiting, hopefully Lions score first. You take the Vikings. Maybe the Vikings come back. They grab a lead. The Vikings now are a favorite. You grab uh, the Lions on the other side at, at plus money. And now you have this really big middle where um, you just kind of sit back, relax, and enjoy the, the cash. Exactly. Exactly. That's uh, That's advanced members of the printing press. Um, Brad, any that you wanted to run by, uh, Judah here that you were thinking about? Yeah. So I was wondering what you think or, or how well you think pace of play is priced in, uh, to market. So you touched this game already, but I think the bills defense has not been as good of late. Uh, yes, it's Mike white, but he actually has been at least moving the ball, getting it to playmakers in space. So both the bills and jets are top five in pace of play. And by that, I mean, uh, seconds between snaps on offense and that hasn't changed with white. It's actually been fast for the last couple of weeks. So I thought the over 44 there or maybe getting a live over if it's a slow start, but knowing that both teams in neutral situations still move the ball or, or, you know, snap the ball very consistently, but wondering if you had any thoughts on, you know, is that already entirely priced in? I don't, I don't think it's entirely priced in. Uh, It's also, especially if we're talking live betting, there's no way you're pricing in the actual pace of, uh, you know, no huddle. That's a great angle to look for, which is like teams do, uh, kind of slow down or or speed up tempo on a game to game basis. Uh, it's definitely matchup specific too. Uh, I I think it's like probably minorly priced in and before the game, and I think this is a, another good data point uh, for my my Mike White play. Just like more snaps, uh, more opportunity for passing yards, uh, but it's definitely not being priced in live. Uh, I think maybe a little bit before the game. Um, 
Yeah, it, it's interesting. I, I think about a lot of these sort of situations where how does a dynamic model, you know, price some of these things in? Do you see a lot of variance between books uh, when you're betting live, Judah? I've, I've got to imagine some books are using, you know, different uh, either third parties or you know, actually doing it in house. How do you how do you kind of figure out where you're going to bet live? Yeah, uh, I mean, I have all my screens open, so I'm monitoring for the answer is yes. And like, if I had, which I in theory should and could. Uh, you know, eight, nine books, the prices are going to be very, very different uh, across the board. Uh, I know there are certain books, uh, for instance, that like really didn't buy into Geno Smith earlier this season. Uh, and they were like really slow on like Seahawks passing props, let's say. And like there was like an arbitrage available, uh, which I didn't actually execute because that's not the I'm not trying to get down to enormous bets. But like that existed uh, and there was there was an arbitrage across books. So, yes, like it's not people are using different servers, different parties and like pricing, especially for player props uh is extremely dynamic and very difficult to capture uh, and books are going to have massive discrepancies yeah it's um something that i mean i think for the casual better it's like look it's not why i'm here but um if you're like starting to get into it a little bit more um there those opportunities are out there and you even just to watch it for uh you know a game or um a week and kind of see the differences um it's kind of startling um, Judah has a, a lot more analysis that you can go find, but I encourage everyone to go actually read the content. Uh, follow him on Twitter at throw the damn ball. You'll obviously share his content there. You can find it on the PFF app and pff.com. Make sure you check out his same game parlays in addition to his alt line uh, uh, angles and in-game strategy. And then you can check him out. He You stream this live uh, on Sundays. Um, so you can go watch if you're so inclined uh, and see how the magic happens. Judah, we appreciate you hanging out uh, with us early on a Thursday morning. Have a great one, brother. Thank you. All right. Uh, we are on, Brad, to the lock of the week. Last week, um, obviously we had, uh, normally we have Tej Seth here. He is traveling this morning. Um, he's big time in this. That's what he's doing. He is. He really is. Um, and uh, I, I just felt like last week the process was really sound. And we just got, I mean, the fact that, that uh, CD lamb, that the CD lamb over didn't hit in that game in large part, because like all of a sudden it just become a defensive, you know, uh, skull, whatever you want to call it. Um, the, the, the Cowboys destroyed the, the Colts. Um, we should have gone three and one. We ended up going two and two could be worse, but should have been better in my opinion. So we we're going to have to channel a little bit of a little bit of Tej and, uh, and come back from this one, I think. We have to channel the chain. Chain Tage mm. has a better record than the non-chain Tage. So yep. I think we have to that, that's where our focus needs to be. That's right. That's a good point. Tage came on here wearing a, a necklace. Now I ironically, that was uh right, it was the day before Thanksgiving. So he was, Correct. you know, he was about to go um on uh, blackout Wednesday. And the chain obviously provided him what he needed. So um I don't have one. Um uh, although <laughs> on Instagram they try really hard to get me to buy those Jackson chains. I don't know if they've got you. Brad, <laughs> no, no, I'm chainless. I'm actually Instagramless, so no, I've, oh, I've okay. avoided that. Good yeah. for you because I've been. They are targeting me hard. I will not succumb. Um, all right, so it's it's just us two as usual. We go through um, our favorite bets of the week and we pick a lock or locks of the week. Um, irony uh, heavily uh, on that term, but here we go. Let's uh, let's start. Why don't you give me your favorite one? 
Yeah, so uh, I'm going to start out with a teaser here. Uh, the Ravens are now plus two and a half against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then I'm going to do it with the Kansas City Chiefs if they're still laying eight and a half against the Denver Broncos. Mm-hmm. It's now nine and a half, so I guess that one does not work anymore. So <laughs> I will pivot. I will pivot on that one. So we're going to do – one second, bad radio. All right, Baltimore Ravens up to we'll plus eight and a half. And uh, let's do uh, – you want to go ahead? You want to go ahead? No, no, I, I like oh. this. I like where you're heading. Okay. I, this All right, is, yeah, we're working vibe. through it. Yeah, yeah, and then we'll do, um, we'll do the Vikings. Why not? We just talked about yeah. them a little bit. It's now you can get them up to eight and a half as well. Detroit is playing some good ball. They're still dead last. Need paper play allowed. Minnesota is 25th, so not much better. But I think it's going to be a back and forth game. Could be team that has the ball last might win this game outright. Um, but nevertheless, I see the margin of eight and a half, uh, or being, being less than eight and a half. And then for Baltimore, there's an overcorrection here with Tyler Huntley didn't play great last week, but we've seen in the past when he comes in, the offense not falling off that much. Um, Pittsburgh is pretty good against the run. They have been successful recently and the entire season against the run, but again, massive rivalry game, you know, probably the best rivalry in football, or it was when these teams were a little bit better. Uh, and I just think eight and a half points is too many there as well. Yeah. So that was the the teaser that I was uh, looking at. There's one of the two teasers that I was looking at. The Baltimore-Pittsburgh game, total of 37. Um, and, you know, generally the, the rule is there's two rules with teasers. First is you want to cross three and seven because those are the, the big key numbers that give you enough of a percentage boost to make a plus EV bet out of um, the two sides, right? Because you're gonna have to pay a little more uh, of a VIG um, when you do bet a teaser and you need both sides to be, what's roughly like 75% uh, to win. So crossing three and seven, you do that. But the other one is low totals, right? So low totals mean that you have a a smaller chance of a big point differential. um, And that is a low total. Now, Minnesota, Detroit, to your point, 52 and a half. I think both teams kind of do want this to play under. But I'll throw out just one more option here, and that is Arizona at home plus seven and a half. So they're they're currently plus one and a half. You can tease them out to plus seven and a half. So you cover both those numbers. 44 and a half uh, is the spread here. Neither one of these offenses particularly scary. Um, and, you know, you have a, a Patriots team who, like, should they be the favorite here? Well, I don't know. Mac Jones is is Mac. So, like, how do you really feel about uh, about them pulling away in this one? Um, and on the other side of things, they have not shown the ability to stop a, a uh, number one wide receiver. And, and obviously, DeAndre Hopkins is one. So that's the one I'll throw out, Brad, as an additional option. Um, I like both of those. Um, so that's my that was my teaser of the week. Um, where do you want to go next? Yep. So next one we go to is Cleveland plus six. This came out plus four and a half against Cincinnati. And I think we all kind of liked or leaned towards Cleveland on the mm-hmm. podcast. It's now moved out to six points. Hey, look, Deshaun Watson was terrible this past week. Um, he, he was plain and simple. He was just awful. But I, I think well, eventually he will figure it out and get the rust out and play some decent football. Obviously, the first matchup of the, between these two teams, the Browns kind of blew out the Cincinnati Bengals. It's a good matchup for them. Miles Garrett is going to terrorize Jonah, Jonah Williams or Lyle Collins, whoever he's matched up against. Um, you have the good outside corners and Newsom and Ward that can mitigate a little bit of T. Higgins and Jamar Chase, do better against them than most teams can. And I just think six is too many points. I, I mean, Brissett won this game handily. I mm-hmm. think they can run the ball in Cincinnati. I think you can try to expose this secondary that I still think needs more, you know, exposing. Uh, but maybe as time goes on, teams will figure that out. Kevin Stefanski has been great this year. I don't think people realize how much 
he's benefited this team in his play calling and execution with Jacoby Brissett. So, yeah, long answer short there, I think Amari Cooper is going to go nuts against whoever is matched up against him, and I like the Browns plus six. I am a fan of that as well. Um, I'm going to go to Jets-Bills next. So, Judah talked about this game earlier and love his play there. Um, it's currently Buffalo minus nine and a half. Look, there's there's definitely a chance that that Buffalo, you know, covers this. Obviously, I don't. It's kind of a stupid thing to say, but it's not necessarily about thinking. You know, Jets are going to necessarily keep this close because you never sort of know what happens at the end of the game. What I mean by that is Mike White could throw a pick six. Mike White could also score fourteen unanswered, and so for that reason, I like forty three and a half over. Um, I think that Mike White is. A, not a good quarterback, but he's a good quarterback if you're trying to get points scored in games. Um, and they have shown a ton of confidence in Mike White. I think that's the the thing to be uh, kind of aware of here. And he's he's paid off with it. He has a 5.5% big-time throw rate. For comparison, Josh Allen is at 6.4%. I think only one quarterback in the league is higher than that, um, if memory serves me correctly. So you know, he, he is one of those guys that is taking chances, uh, taking chances under pressure as well. He's a 92. Uh, he actually has a better pass rating under pressure than, than when clean. That will change. Um, so 43 and a half, you know, you think about uh, the Bills, their their last game, um, uh, sorry, the Jets, their last game against uh, Minnesota, you know, they were kind of, they really had no shot. And then at the end of the game, they, they got spunky. So you could see that happening again. They, they lost 27 to 22. Obviously that, that covers there. Um, if they, uh, if they had the same spread or sorry, the same total. And, and you look at the bills, the bills came off of, of playing the, uh, the Patriots where they, they put up 24. Um, they're obviously a team that you feel pretty confident about uh, putting up points here. And so um, I think this is probably a little bit lower because you've got the jets defense. Everyone feels really good about them with, you know, Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed. But I, I think the Bills are going to figure out a way to get Stephon Diggs the ball. Um, that's just my guess. And it's not as if uh, the Jets have, have played a, you know, um, a guy like Josh Allen week to week. He presents kind of this unique set of, uh, of skills. The other thing is they've already played the Jets. The Jets beat them as a, you know, 10 and a half point underdog with Zach Wilson. So I, I would expect the Bills to come out and make sure they put up more than 17 points. Um, this is one of, yeah, one of my favorite totals of the week. So I asked about the pace of play with Judah because I wanted a justification for liking that bet. So we're, we're on the go. same page there. <laughs> All right, where do you want to go next? So the next one I have here is – so we talked about this on Sunday as well, um, and it is the Seattle Seahawks, and they're now laying three and a half points against Carolina. I know they've been not as good the last couple of weeks. Their defense in particular has been really, really bad – but that, I think, is why I like this bet and some of the movement going against them is, can Sam Darnold take advantage of a bad defense? I, I don't really think so. Uh, so, you know, Darrell Taylor has been playing better opposite of Shannon Wosu. They've been getting some pressure. Carolina, you can still get after. And, of course, Sam Darnold, you can always you know, he'll hold on to the ball too long, have some turnover-worthy plays. But I think we're seeing, kind of like P.J. Walker, you get the little – the early first couple of weeks period where things go well and everything is schemed up and they keep you clean. And then you have to win some football games and make some plays – and I do not see him doing that. So last piece here is 
He just always targets DJ Moore. When he comes in, he has a 35% target share and I think 75% of the air yards since Sam Darnold started playing go towards DJ Moore. You got Tariq Wollen, who I'm not going to travel with him, but we'll have matchups with um, with DJ Moore and I think he is the better player in that matchup or can take advantage of it. Might get an interception because Darnold just blindly throws it at DJ Moore. So I like Seattle minus three and a half now against Carolina. Yeah, I, we got uh... – the, the fact that the Seahawks made the Rams pathetic offense look like it was alive um, it is a little bit scary, um, but that's kind of the, you know, you want to buy them sort of the bottom of the market. And and obviously the Panthers are just terrible, just absolutely terrible. So um, I like that angle. I, I want to bring this game up and I, I kind of have, a, I want to get your take on it because Brock Purdy, is favored against Tom Brady. And um, this is a quote from Trent Williams. You would think he's been in the league 15 years. If you're talking, he'll, he'll say, shut your ass up. He ain't no timid rookie feeling his way around. He will get on your ass. You would think he's like Peyton Manning or something. <laughs> I Which, mean, hey, Brady, yeah. Go ahead. I mean, you know, okay, sure. Um but the, the reason that I kind of throw this out there is no Tristan Wirfs. You have a, a, a right tackle in, I want to say Beanie Wells for all the people that will remember <laughs> Beanie Wells, but it's Josh Wells who has a 51.1 pass block grade. Nick Bosa keeps getting under-recognized for defensive player of the year. I think this is where <laughs> he, he gets recognized. And I don't know if it's that simple, but... Obviously, the reason Brock Purdy is favored is not because Brock Purdy is better than Tom Brady. Tom Brady's played fine. He has the 10th uh, highest PFF grade this year. But you look at where the the Bucs would struggle in this game, and it's like I don't want to sound like a, I'm oversimplifying it, but their offense seems like it could really struggle in this game because I, Nick Bosa should just be living in, in the backfield here. Um, so – I'm a little tempted. Um, I'm a little tempted to lay it with the Niners. I can't believe I'm saying that. Um, I want you to talk me off it. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be hard to. I don't know if you watched the Monday night game with the Saints, but Donovan Smith, the left tackle, had one of the worst games I think I've ever seen. He was holding on pretty much every single drop back and still letting giving up pressures and giving up sacks. And then, yeah, Beanie Wells on the right side was obviously a bit of a drop down from uh, from Tristan Wirfs. But the, the thing, the reason why I do like it as well is – Byron Leftwich and this offense have continued to just slam Leonard Fournette into the back of their guard for a half a yard gain. Rashad White's got more carries, but it's been the same. Mm -hmm. And they're still going to do that. They're going to say, look, we got to, you know, establish the run and get the ball out of Tom's hands to mitigate this pass rush. I think he would mitigate a little bit with quick passing. Um, but yeah, I, I think they're going to just keep running the ball. And this Niners defense is going to just explode them up front. They're going to get, they're going to be in second and 10. I think every single every single drive. So yeah, I, it's crazy as it sounds to take Brock Purdy against Tom Brady. Um, I, it's it, it, it looks that way to me as well. Ah man, we gotta find something better than that. Do you have any more <laughs> that you would like to throw out? Uh, I so it's funny you mentioned. I, I it's weird. I kind of like the over in that game as well at thirty seven. I know it's super mm -hmm. low. You're getting Brock Purdy. Um, but I did, you know, I touched on it a bit there with Tom Brady. I think he will just throw the ball in two seconds, and that'll be how they overcome the issues up front. 
Um, but, you know, and they are second in pace of play this year. The Niners are actually third slowest. Uh, so that kind of scares me off there a little bit. But, no, those, those are all the plays I had. I think we, we unfortunately have some, some good CLV from Sunday, but, you know, games yeah. that we liked have crossed key numbers at this point. So, Yeah. Um, by the way, if you're not listening to the Sunday Night Pod, um, that is probably the best time to bet on any um, spreads and totals. But we recognize that people have lives out there. So um, we got to do something a little later in the week as well. Uh, okay. I think that um, the, the teasers both make a lot of sense to me. Um, you know, whether it's Ravens and, and Vikings um, or Ravens and, and Cardinals. So I would say we pick one of those. Um, we didn't mention uh, any props. Obviously it's hard when, when props haven't come out, um, you know, at this juncture in time earlier in the pod, we mentioned, uh, I mentioned Tyreek Hill uh, against the the Chargers, also Joshua Palmer against the Chargers. So I think those would be ones that we would consider. We've got the Browns plus six, um, the Jets and Bills over 43 and a half. Let's start here, Brad. Which of the teasers do you like best? I definitely like uh, the the Ravens as one of the legs. Um, that's probably my favorite leg of all the ones we discussed. Okay. And thinking about those two, the, the other options. So you've got Vikings eight and a half or, um, or Cardinals seven and a half. Um, which one feels, feels right. I, I mean, towards the Vikings, I do like your Cardinals play. Um, you know, the, the Patriots are, are bottom five in the EPA per rush on the season. They, they have some weaknesses. And then this will be the first week of, I think, the entire year we get DeAndre Hopkins, Marquise Brown, and Rondell Moore, all three playing wow. in a game. Um, yeah, so it, that matters. I mean, it's hard to defend three good receivers like that. So I could go either way. I do also just think that, like, Minnesota, you know, they always kind of have trouble with Detroit. It's always a one-score game. All they do is play one-score game. So I, I like both legs a lot, though. Okay, let's let's roll with your your gut there, and um, we'll go Ravens Vikings. Uh, members of the printing press are not going to turn down a good bet, but to be official of record, Ravens Vikings uh, is is one of the locks of the week. Do we want to go with three and throw in Browns and Jets Bills over? We I love the over, with... and and I definitely could do Browns. The the over should be in there though. I think we lock that in. I think the over should be in there. Here's the one thing I'll say about the Browns. So the Browns have um, just really done well against the Bengals. Uh, Bengals are coming off of a huge win against the Chiefs. The Browns looked absolutely awful against the Texans. But the Browns have worse karma. I hate, I can't believe I'm bringing this up. But the, can you actually bet on the Browns for the remainder of the year with Bill Cosby playing quarterback back there? I just, I just don't know. I, I don't know if we can do that as a brand, as a, as to the members of the printing press. Can we subject them to rooting for, for that? That's fair. No, I don't want to. I don't want to put anyone in that position. <laughs> All right. So there it is. We've got a teaser and we've got an over. Going a little unconventional, but a lot of I think a lot of good bets um, for people to get out there and bet right now. Um, you can do so, uh, obviously, by going and downloading the PFF app and, and jumping from there to your favorite sports book. I've got a couple on there. Or um, jumping onto pff.com, looking at PFF Greenline, which is obviously what we use as we're kind of working through things and checking out all the great betting content from a lot of the people that you talk, that we talk to uh, on here, uh, as well as guys like Ben Brown, who are on the, uh, on the Sunday night pod that you should all check out. So that is the lock of the week. Um, we appreciate all of you for hanging out. 
Brad for waking up early, everyone else for waking up a little early, and uh, we will see all of you wonderful people. Thanks.